for your attention. The following episode of the Sweet Chinwag podcast contains reference to people or companies accused or otherwise involved in speaking out. If you find or may find this distressing in any way, shape or form, please skip ahead of the new segment and go straight into the main episode. It is time to tune up the band, break the walls down with a little bit of the bubbly, because it's time for another Sweet Chinwag podcast. I am Sam, alongside Reardon and Dan, as we trundle along on this wacky journey through the world of professional wrestling. This week, on Collaboration Month, we are joined by Alex from Armchair Wrestling. Hello, everyone. That introduction was elaborate, and I'm surprised you managed to get through it in one take. Well played. <laughs> What you we are about? professional. What are you talking about? I always, I always do it that in one take. That was sure, a lot Jan. of words in a short space of time. You guys are too professional for me. <laughs> wow, that's listen, a, a, that's the first time listen, I think we've ever been called professional. Listen, if you if you want, yeah, listen, if you want to collab with us, you got to get on our level. It's sink or swim. Yeah. <laughs> I'll leave now, then shall I? <laughs> no, 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 come back, yeah. Alex. You need, you need to get on our level. Meanwhile, our level is a raft with a piece of cloth on it, going. This is a boat. <laughs> <laughs> Using a bit of driftwood as as an oar. Yeah. I I hate how correct you are. <laughs> oh man, how how has your week been, gentlemen? Yeah, interesting. Interesting. <laughs> That's yeah. Yeah. I, it has been very very interesting and will continue to be interesting since we have our lovely collaborator with us <laughs> there was something about the way you said that that was very specific <laughs> i i literally my my brain like i knew i was going to like my lisp was going to come out so i very like instinctually <laughs> just stop myself by sounding out all the syllables there that's yeah. what you heard it's smooth like butter thank you. Really. <laughs> thank you thank you yeah it's been a weird old week like not just like in wrestling but just life in general has been very weird <laughs> um but in that i did sit down and finally watch blood sport 5 and that was amazing by the way Hell Every yeah. time you say Bloodsport 5, I just keep thinking of the movie Bloodsport and being like, what, they made five of them? <laughs> I mean, you think no. about how many Rocky movies there are. Yeah, that's why I, would, like, I wouldn't be surprised, <laughs> but I'm always confused. Bloodsport 6, direct-to-DVD. <laughs> I mean... Mm. <laughs> if it were made by WWE, Miz would be the uh, the main star as well. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> and I'm okay with the Miz, but don't say I that. I mean, Bloodsport, Bloodsport Six, starring the Miz, Shane McMahon, and Michael Jai White. There you go. I, but all I'm saying is, though, right? If they rebooted the Marine, who would who would it be now? When you can't have the Miz. You know what? Shame I, <laughs> no, I for some reason I want to say it, it's one of the new day. I want to say Big E or Kofi. <laughs> oh no, I was gonna say if it's WWE, surely they're picking Commando Braun Strowman. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> God. No, he's the villain. He's the he's the heavy. He's the heavy villain. Because it's it's him, or for some reason I don't know why I can just see them picking AJ Styles. <laughs> yeah. 
I was aiming towards like John Morrison. See, I'd love it if it was John Morrison. I think that'd be hilarious. <laughs> I mean, there's the only wrestler on film that's ever been beaten in a wrestling match by a dog. That is hey, not look, a joke. It comes, it, comes, it, comes, it comes with it, you know. I'm going to write that down for my pub quiz later. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, as we're going off on this chat, I'll bring it right back. We give you this podcast. Thanks to those lovely people over at SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and forever pending other platforms. <laughs> so Always be pending. Always be pending. So, before we get on to this main uh, topic of the episode which is all about our favorite canadian chris jericho it is time to visit dan for this week's wrestling news and dun 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 wrestling news <laughs> oh god we're Just... starting off right aren't we oh, that's, that's that's a good start that is, that is an omen of things to cover what's going that on is in this ominous as hell all right, let's let's be here and let's just get this out of the way now, right? Because we're going to have to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Progress. Uh, uh, what did they do? I haven't okay. heard. What did they do? Okay. So I'll try my best to sum this up in as short a time as possible <laughs> and as in the least disconcerting way I can, which mm. is a good omen. Yeah. <laughs> Progress recently restarted their shows uh, working as part of the WWE Network uh, to have their shows broadcast and they were allowed to do a series of four tapings uh, for production Hmm. obviously during speaking out uh, multiple people were either accused or otherwise involved in proceedings Hmm. Uh, one of those people being Paul Robinson, British wrestler who is working with Progress and has some level of authority within the company. Uh, at the same time that Marty Skrull uh, was accused, uh, he was removed from, I believe, Rev Pro mm-hmm. uh, or Rev Pro's uh, roster at the time. Uh, eventually, got round to being removed by Ring of Honor, but it came way, way later. Only last month. Yeah. Uh, And so companies have taken a step back, spoken about safeguarding procedures, keeping talent safe. Uh, Then they came along and said that he was at the tapings. Uh, They never mentioned this before to anyone. Uh, They never made a, uh, a point out of it. Lots of fans were saying, you know, have you actually changed? You know, myself included all very happy to see people getting back back to performing Mm. Uh, lots of younger uk independent talent uh, people like alexis falcon who were appearing on the show uh, a lot of attitude of well you know people who are working there are doing it because they know it's safe and that so much is true to an extent Mm. the problem with them saying that though was the statement they put out afterwards <laughs> oh, which was yeah people knew he was there because he was actually meant to be wrestling on the show mm. but he but he didn't purely because of scheduling issues but he was there as a producer and they went through and they did an entire review process that this person 
who was involved in the same situation regarding Marty Skull was deemed to be not a risk. He was actively related in some way to the events that happened with Marty Skull and a 16-year-old trainee. And he was not a risk. And I'm a person who's worked in safeguarding. Yeah. And one of the key points of safeguarding is that everyone is involved in it. Yeah. And so if you see something happening, you report it. Mm-hmm. Staying silent is just as bad as being involved because you're not upholding your duty. Of course, though, the added context of this is they weren't treated as teachers. Oof. They had no they had no obligation. Yeah. It, it, mm. It's oh well, I mean what's I think the word or the phrase for progress in this situation is a monumental cock up. <laughs> monumental? Yeah. Just just a tiny bit monumental. <laughs> yeah. You know what? The the sound of Right, progress is back and we're able to record. Yay! Paul Robinson's there. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I heard... I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Dan, but apparently from what I heard from some of the statements made from progress, that people that were there didn't mind or something around that kind of thing. That him being, They didn't mind him being there. And I get, the, yeah. I get the feeling of that as being a lot of the people that were on that show were very young people that were trying to get a break. Well, they, they were, they were younger match. talent. They mm. were. Mm. They're going to be on the WWE Network, and my feeling yeah. is, is if they, I just get the feeling is that maybe, maybe they, maybe they said they didn't mind, but in reality, it was like I can't say anything because I might get, I might get yeah. pulled off. The yeah, show. you might get yeah. dropped yeah. from the show. Yeah, it's like. It's not bad. saying anything is like, yeah, they might not say anything because they might lose their job. Yeah, it's literally, it's literally why this whole thing came about was because people felt like they couldn't speak out. Exactly. Then they managed to find a voice for it, and then went, yeah, we'll just do it again. <sighs> oh, fucking hell! <laughs> no, it really is. It's, it's so I cannot begin to fathom how disappointing pointed i am at progress for this uh being a guy that's gone to i went to a couple of shows in camden i've been to i went to the brixton show the the a couple of super strong styles and the wembley show and they were always good good atmosphere uh, sphere shows uh but man god damn especially because after all what had happened and the, the the monumental change they were making to just not even like a couple of shows in the first show in and they have messed up this much is just like god i'm i'm not angry at you i'm just very disappointed (laughs) yeah and i think the worst part is not uh, is not hearing well we get these like blanket statements from management but i've yet to hear anything come from the actual management or the actual people behind the scenes like i know I believe uh, John Briley, out of the original kind of co-founders, is the only one that's still there. I've yet to hear anything from him. I've yet to hear anything from the other people that t- took over from from the original owners, um, Jim and um, Glenn, I believe. Um, I think so. 
yeah, yeah, I've yet to hear from them, and I think that's that. I think that's made it a bit more. I think that situation a bit more awkward is just hearing progress management statements and not from the actual individuals. Mm. You can you can tell that they know the fucked up because yesterday they released him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's just yeah, crazy, absolutely crazy. But uh, yeah, um, what else to say except like they messed up massively and. I mean, well, the question here, I guess, is what do progress do now? Like, do they carry on? Do they make changes? Or is this just a case of there is so much ill will that there's probably seemingly not much point in progress being around anymore? It's it's a real systemic thing with those guys. And it's like, yeah. at, at a certain point, it is like... It is basically destroy and start over. Yeah. No, like, that's the thing. Like, I genuinely think it is a case of strip it down and build it back up. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I guess oh, 15th time's a charm. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yeah. Like, if we get these recordings done and out of the way from the network, and you've got to really, you've got to sit down and really think. Like, you can't just say this stuff. You've got to really, really put the time and effort in to make sure that th this this stuff doesn't happen, and that you have the safety of your talent in mind. In all honesty, if they, if this like, if this keeps happening then it's like, what can you say other than, like, it's gonna keep happening? Yeah. Yeah. That's the horrible thing. It's like, this isn't the first time. It's not the first time. And if it continues this, like, going going through the motions, then, like, what can you say? When, when this all first happened, uh, I did a, an interview with two... British indie wrestlers and I was speaking to them about it and saying how do you keep this from happening again in the future and they said well it all comes down to the more experienced talent keeping that voice going yes and we're we're not even a year later and it that voice has clearly started to die away mm. Mm. It, oh man <laughs> it's 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 crazy isn't it that I'm still trying to kind of wrap your head around all of this and then just realize as well as i think progress really should as well should have realized that they are one of the biggest companies in the uk and if if they 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 are if they don't want to admit it they do lead by example so doing this is just probably going to make every joe blow average joe no uh nobody company go oh well if they can get away with it we can get away with it mm. Yeah. And that's the scary thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the only British Paul Robinson left is the former England goalkeeper in far in my eyes anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing reference. I, I was expect I was expecting a neighbours reference anytime soon, but yeah. <laughs> and now with that out of the way, we can now move on to the week review. We now know Rhea Ripley due to be debuting on Raw. All for that. Welcome addition to the women's division needs freshening up quickly. Mm. But also very um, scared for her. 
as I should, as, I mean, as rightfully yes, so. Are, yes. I want to say we are scared, rightfully so. <laughs> <laughs> as as always, we are happy and yet fear. Maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's just the long run of what Vince has always wanted. <laughs> I can't necessarily be here to say whether or not that is the case. <laughs> <laughs> She's had two decent runs in the Rumble. I imagine they quite trust her, but then I imagine that they trusted Balor. Yeah. They trust a lot of people. That's well, the that, issue. That, that's kind of the thing. It's like she's had two good runs in the Rumble. She's been shown to hold her own, but I just feel like that moment when she comes over is going to be the bit where they just like, yes, this is going fantastically, and then she might end up being like Shayna Baszler. <laughs> ah. She's, she's going to bite someone. <laughs> <laughs> boot someone's teeth out of their mouth. Ah, Asuka had it coming. (laughs) (laughs) Hey! (laughs) Which is is also just here to say, that moment, incredibly terrifying. (laughs) If you had any doubts about Shayna Baszler, that answers them. Um, (laughs) I mean, the the kind of running thing off the back of it, though, was just the general dissatisfaction that followed Charlotte following it. Oh, which yeah. people have just become increasingly annoyed at her. <laughs> good promo. Back, good backstage promo with her dad, though. It was. It was a very not, good backstage promo. It's probably one of the realest promos I've seen them do in quite a while. It's just a shame everything has to exist in the context it already does. <laughs> True. Yeah. It's not, and again, it's also worth saying that we, we're here and we're coming off the back of Elimination Chamber and Oscar was meant to have a match against Lacey Evans which got canned and they just apparently seemingly couldn't find anyone for her to wrestle in the sea of amazing competitors that you have now you couldn't find anyone I mean again following off questionable decisions from Elimination Chamber Matt Riddle is the United States Champion (laughs) I'm going to hold my tongue on the joke yeah (laughs) yeah So, was Keith... Now, I'm not 100% sure what happened to Keith Lee. Was he injured? Or, or is he yeah. injured? He got uh, injured. Yeah. Was it Lash- Lashley injured his back like a couple of weeks beforehand? Oofed. Yeah, something something like that. Um, it, it, the problem with these things is, oh, it's kind of hard to tell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you go from being pitched to win the Rumble, then getting COVID, then pitched to win the US title then getting injured. He's not going to do anything now. Vince won't trust him. Yeah, yeah. That's, the, that's the scary bit that follows it. Mm. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't have spent five weeks of him having no contests against Randy Orton. <laughs> I can't wait for him. I can't wait for him to win the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Oh, don't. <laughs> it's going to happen. You know. You know it's going to happen. Oh, no. Jesus, Alex. You're just coming in, just just smashing up everything in this podcast. What is this? You know, the worst... I think the, the, I think the, I think the worst nightmare situation is if he ca- if he won that wearing those weird skirt shorts that he did when he debuted on the main roster. <laughs> Speaking of things that have ended incredibly disappointingly, retribution. <laughs> <laughs> Did that even begin to start with? Let's be honest. Yeah, that, that was actually my question. But... <laughs> that was my question. Things have to things have to actually be promising. <laughs> Okay, it was promising for about one hour. 
<laughs> no, it was it wasn't promising when you found out one of them was called Slapjack. <laughs> okay, but before that one, it was just thirty people who attacked a ring. <laughs> yeah, and then all of a sudden they merged together and became about six foot tall and turned into four yeah. different people. <laughs> hey, remember when Mercedes Martinez was there? <laughs> Uh, will, will we, we ever Chelsea get a payoff? Oh, God, will yeah. We, yeah. Will we ever get a payoff to Ali versus Kofi? Probably on the mid card of like Fast Lane, but oh, nah, that'll you know. be an undertone in the Andre the Giant Memorial oh, Battle Royal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, oh. The bigger the bigger question of that match was what the hell was the finish? Because it was just nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Just we we keep saying it, but the hurt business are amazing. I don't know what Lucha House Party is still doing on Raw other than filling a tag team spot space, because <laughs> uh, they seem to be infinitely better on NXT. Mm. Uh, not that they've ever given any reason or rhyme for that. Uh, incredibly disappointed to see Angel Garza just there to lose. <laughs> Next, Eddie Guerrero, according to Vince, by the way. <laughs> I swear, get, getting the getting the thumbs up from Vince is like the death knell. And then I feel <laughs> like I feel like a combination of that and then and then being a lackey for Miz is the death knell in your coffin for being in that company. To be fair, before he got injured, they gave him a bit of the Latino heat gimmick. Mm. Walked around with the rose, the open top shirt, you yeah. know, trying to pull anything that breathed. <sighs> It's just so weird that it's just we keep getting all these stories that are like Vince is incredible. We got like clearly this is some kind of code speak, right? Like Vince is high on ex wrestler means that he must now be removed from the company or something. Hey, so that seems hey, to be the you, running theme. Don't you say Eddie Guerrero and high in the same sentence? Ah. <laughs> Sorry, are we toning it down now? <laughs> <laughs> um. Damien Priest stays getting wins. It's fantastic to see him continuing going strength to strength on, on the main roster, uh, whatever way that really takes. Um, and then it looks like we're getting Bobby Lashley versus The Miz for the WWE title. Uh, that is honest, a sentence. It is. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think... At least most of the stuff I've seen online is saying that everyone wants Bobby Lashley to win, which I feel like is more an indictment on the state of WWE currently. I, I don't get that. Yeah, I'm getting like 2006 ECW vibes from this. Yeah. With oh, all God. of that, with all of that being said, I did quite like the Miz's um the the Miz's um promo after he won. I like that promo. That was a good promo. I was gonna say I just like the Miz. I do as yeah. well. But Alex, don't say that because next week we'll find out who's managing uh, Bobby Lashley. Oh dear God, no! It's Donald J. Trump. Please no! no. Please Holy no! Shit no! Please oh, I no! Can't, I can't wait for Lesnar to come back and it be Heyman versus uh, Trump in a hair versus hair match. <laughs> What cursed, podcast am I on? <laughs> the winner has to wear a toupee. I oh, can we send that to the guys over at Making Cafe? Yes, <laughs> we really need to talk to those guys. Can we get them to book that for us? That'll be that'll be a thing. Just at Bryson Dillard when this episode goes out. Yeah. 
<laughs> shout out um, to the guys that shout out to those guys. You're good guys. Yeah, they're great. They're great. Fantastic. Lovely, lovely, lovely people. Um, moving over to NXT UK. Uh, pretty deadly win the NXT UK tag titles. Very happy about that. If you've ever watched IPW, you'll probably know them. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> great choice. Great choice. Yeah. Um, great match as well. Very, very yeah, solid no, it tag was. match. I'm happy that they're putting a lot of stock behind them. Um, and again, it's just a, a good a good sign for the future of NXT UK. Uh, William Regal's son debuted. Uh, Bailey Matthews, I believe it is. Yeah, gosh. He, d- he don't I mean, half look like his dad when he was young. When he was young. He don't half wrestle like his dad either. <laughs> oh, so he kills people. Gotcha. <laughs> Pretty much. He's just William Regal with an American accent. It's amazing. That's yeah. what kind of American accent? Because that's kind of horrifying. It's a, you I know believe that... it's like a Floridian kind of accent. Oh no! Oh, oh that's mixed with Blackpool. Yeah, I was gonna say it's like it's like that, but then there's just the slightest hint that you can tell that he's British. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. That's the kind. He sounds like the kind of man who punches alligators for fun. Yeah, it's, it's when West Coast Britain meets East Coast America. <laughs> That's disgusting. That's a not be. That is a hell of a combination. What have they? What have we done? <laughs> You've got three teeth, and they're all on the bottom row. <laughs> oh God. Just wait, for, uh, just wait for his gimmick to be screaming war games in that weird accent of his. <laughs> is that is that gonna be? That's just gonna be. That's the name of his finisher, War Games. Yes, I can't lie. I'm kind of here for it though. If he decides to do that. <laughs> um, uh, Gargano versus Loomis was fantastic. Um, <laughs> Loomis has just gone stroke for stroke since returning from injury. Mm. Um, loving the uh, loving my kind of. I guess headcanon, if you will, of Dexter Loomis at this point exists purely to annoy Johnny Gargano. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've enjoyed him. Life. I enjoyed him more now that he's he's going away from the crazy stalker kidnapper. <laughs> it's like he's gone from like crazy stalker kidnapper to crazy man who harasses someone. <laughs> the the PG version of what he was doing in TNA. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> It's just a little bit more well-developed now and also has him just launch Johnny Gargano into the ring apron. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Again, prepping up to Jackson Baszler versus Gonzalez and Dakota Kai. All here for that. Um, MSK with another fantastic kind of promo and um, video package segment. Uh, What else we got? Cameron Grimes. Uh, lots of people have gotten on side with him now with his new million dollar Grimes character. I love it. It's a million. It's the million dollar man in the bayou. Yeah, it's literally just. It's literally just. He's he's rich and also a, and also a salesman from Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> I'm I'm here for anything that's Cameron Grimes. I loved him in in Impact. And yeah. I, I wanted him to be pushed to the moon. I thought he should be North American champion like two years ago. Oh yeah, and he should have been by now. Yeah. Um, 
Escobar versus Karrion Cross, fantastic match, even if a little bit weird at times. <laughs> yes. But if you want to make someone out to be an absolute monster, that's one way of doing it. <laughs> I don't know. There was something kind of enjoyable about him throwing two of the members of Legado del Fantasma through chain link fence that was just kind of enjoyable. Before, well, no, that was it was after I should say throwing them into a into a giant truck. Oh yeah, that as well. <laughs> you know, as you do. Uh, and then just for me to say, I am so so excited for LA Knight Eli Drake to debut in NXT again. Yeah, um... strictly speaking. <laughs> I forgot how old he was when when they were going through the like they were putting people's names on that list of people that signed and it goes yeah LA Knight thirty eight what yeah yeah <laughs> uh, win. yeah I know I know right I was like wait a minute you can't you can't be because I remember you in in Impact you know the whole dummy yeah button and I was like what no <laughs> you can't be thirty eight. <laughs> <laughs> uh but no i really i really do hope for the best for la night because i think the man's got charisma oozing off of him and i feel that that's something that just works perfectly in wwe but then again we yeah. all thought about that with ec3 so we shall see <laughs> yeah it'll be a great performance trainer oh boy <laughs> <laughs> I mean, now you've said it, Alex, yeah. Drew Gulak screaming from the performance centre. I mean, that's not anything different from what Drew Gulak does. I just imagine that Gulak is just always screaming. Even when he's even when he's happy. Yeah, I, thought, I thought you were just going to say, I assume Drew Gulak is always wrestling, and I was like, that's probably true. <laughs> screaming, <laughs> screaming and wrestling. <laughs> Between that and making uh, picket fences for the two or five thing, telling them to stop doing high flying moves, <laughs> yes, <laughs> and screaming while doing it. Hashtag bring back the PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> <laughs> Moving over to SmackDown, um, one of the few. Uh, it sounds so stupid when I say it. One of the few things I like about SmackDown now is it has continuity. Feels good. <laughs> <laughs> it feels really really good that there's like connections between stuff and i know why stuff is happening and mm. things like Sami Zayn's camera crew getting in the way of one of baron corbin's spots <laughs> it almost makes it feel like things have implications <laughs> give wwe too much credit here yeah <laughs> <laughs> it is the bare minimum for a narrative <laughs> in fact it is what makes a narrative a narrative? <laughs> Hence, a bare minimum. <laughs> uh, great promo for Apollo Crews, although a lot of people are kind of seeing it and going, ah, I see he's been given the ethnic heel gimmick. Oh, no. We are the Basi- basically basically the center of the pro- basically the center of the promo is he's like, I'm going to embody the the power of my African forefathers I didn't that know will carry that. me to greatness. I didn't know what to think when I saw Matthew had retweeted an image of that quote, but the image below it was Keith Lee with a not impressed look on his face wearing a dashiki. Trust me, the Hotep memes have been in full force. <laughs> Excellent. 
I want to say is, I want to know what Vince's reaction was when he saw Apollo wearing a scarf. Because <laughs> we all know my what Vince is like with scarves. My question yeah. is, my question is, who? I my question is the poor, poor son of a son of a gun who has to explain to Vince McMahon what a hotep is. <laughs> <laughs> This is, this is this is purely for Raiden, but uh, Vince McMahon meets Doctor Umar. <laughs> <laughs> and there he goes. He's other going. people, like other people, may have no idea what we're saying here, but if you know the context, you're going to be pissing yourself. <laughs> <laughs> we just gained like two very specific fans. <laughs> No, hey, but... you're, you're hoping they've listened this far. Yeah, that's also, <laughs> that is also true. <laughs> Very true. But um, no, it, I, trust me, it has been it has been in full force. And the other the other thing is that people have been saying so is Apollo Crews turning into Killmonger from Black Panther. Yeah, so... that means like honestly, I'm waiting for I'm waiting for that to happen. <laughs> uh, we continue on with the weird Chad Gable and Otis heel turn. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Chief. Because <laughs> it works so well with Shelton Benjamin. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, speaking of things we didn't expect to be getting, a legit Tamina push in 2021. <laughs> oh, like an actual it. legit stocked push. That's... I expected it. I'm just waiting for her to get her last name back. <laughs> Uh, probably I'm, never. Um, I was going to say that's no. probably uh, that's probably not going to happen. That ain't that ain't happening. That's uh, uh, a murder night. What? Oh god. <laughs> oh god. We're getting Banks versus Belair at WrestleMania. Yay! <laughs> but then to me, it was fucked up. Uh, <laughs> that would be weird as hell. Natalia gets involved in the match. <laughs> Oh, don't listen. On a break her, from her social, her social media has ruined Natalia for me. That's understandable. Just ruined. Which one of the seven videos of her and her sister chopping each other in the chest did that for you? While wearing just nothing but a bathrobe, I need to emphasize that. <laughs> okay, but was it the one with the bathrobe, or was it the one where they were, for some reason, they were just in the bathroom, but they were both re wearing, like, low-cut dresses? I think that was the one that did it. Because <laughs> my favourite one was the original one that started circulating, because I found that I found the live stream it's from. After she hits that chop, the audio completely cuts out, and it's the funniest <laughs> thing. <laughs> the audio just disappears. I thought Tyson Kidd would have been there to stop it, but he was too busy watching Daniel Bryan matches to care. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh God. No, maybe he was the one that came up with it should have been me. Oh, no. I know. Tyson Kidd was there and was like, no, you're getting the technique wrong on the chop, right? <laughs> you got to stretch it out. Uh, looks like we're slowly building to a weird set of matches. Uh, which will probably end up weirdly being Cesaro versus Rollins at Fastlane. And then, as some people are projecting, we get Daniel Bryan versus Edge versus Roman at Mania. That is... It's one way to keep Roman strong, is not have him get pinned. <laughs> yeah. Oh. oh. Wow. Oh. Oh. 
That is true. I I I I am regretting getting this guy on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I should have known. I should have known your northern, your northern grimness would just seep through this podcast. Hey, I gave you a way out at the start of this, and you said no. So, <laughs> Christ Almighty! Oh man! Oh, I need a drink, man. Oh, but no, like no, I think that's true. But most, I I still think of it as well as like for edge i guess it's killing two birds with one stone because it's going up against two people he's really wanted to face uh ever since he came out of retirement so i mean mm. i wouldn't be remiss for seeing daniel bryan in the main event <laughs> again like where he should be no. <laughs> uh with that though we are done with the news <laughs> it's the very feral version of this week's news, yeah, oh, yeah, man. This is, jesus this was this was rough What's going on? I think I think we're wigging out, guys. Man, you got that. In, you got that done in a solid twenty minutes, Dan. That is a very good. That is a very good run. Um, <laughs> I mean, that qualifies for the for the SGA website as well. <laughs> All right. If you'd have done it on Zoom, you'd have cut out. <laughs> Alrighty then. Before we get on to Chris Jericho, it's time to go to recommendation corner and to Alex and for his podcast and his and his channel, Armchair Wrestling. They do a lot of awesome stuff. He does an awesome amount of content over there. He's previously had interviews with Devon Dudley and Al Snow and Mark Miro, of all people, as well. But no, Alex, if you want to plug away, if you've got any socials that you want to want to tell people all about, feel free to do so now. Yeah, so you can you can come follow us on Instagram at Armchair Wrestling, but to be fair, we're very scarce on posting on Instagram. It's not really my my social media outlet of choice. But if you're going to come somewhere where we do post quite often, uh, come follow us on Twitter, Armchair Wrestle One. Uh, it's Wrestle without the E, but with the one. I've had a few messages from people saying, well, where's the E gone? And I, <laughs> Don't blame me, blame Twitter. For some reason, we had to have a number in there. Um, but yeah, we also, we live stream straight onto straight onto our twitter and we also live stream onto youtube and uh facebook on a website called what the buzz as well so uh check them out brilliant brilliant awesome awesome make sure to do so everybody but with that it is time to move on to our main portion oh we're talking about chris jericho oh this this i want to just uh, like start off by saying there is a whole chunk of Jericho to go through as a guy who has his books has a couple of DVDs about him and kind of followed his career kind of ever since 98 99 man there is a hell of a lot I had to go through in terms of researching about Jericho so the first question I'll pose to all of you is what was your first experience of Chris Jericho uh wrestle oh yeah what was your first experience of watching Chris Jericho if you can remember that uh we'll start with We'll start with our guest, Alex. I don't know if I'm going to sound young here or if I'm going to sound like... I'm probably going to sound really young. I My first memory of Jericho is his um, heel run just after being uh, the first Undisputed Champion. Mm. So I'm talking teaming with Christian... The, the turn at WrestleMania and having Trish Stratus with him, the low blow on Shawn Michaels. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
dickhead Chris Jericho with the goatee. (laughs) Um, To be honest, as soon as you saw that, I kind of knew I had to go back and look at the old stuff of Chris Jericho. And I mean, the guy just doesn't disappoint. Yeah. Yeah. In nearly 30 years, I feel that guy's been insanely... um insanely bloody consistent with his career <laughs> yeah that's the dad sure uh dan your first experience of seeing chris jericho yeah so my first experience of chris jericho was probably when my brothers would show me old wcw tapes <laughs> um but my first kind of actual vivid recollection of him and the thing that made me love him was when he had uh what i guess would have been a return run probably i want to say around 2008 yeah 2007 2008 i believe 2007 2008 Mm -hmm. it's probably the first time that i vividly remember seeing him around and him doing stuff and i remember i just kind of became entranced with his character mm. um that's probably that's probably the most of it i remember a bunch of the matches from that kind of that time mm. oh all righty uh reardon your first experience with jericho mm, so as always i'm slightly awkward um <laughs> I, this is not my first instance of chris jericho but it's the one that stands out to me a lot, mm. which was his his first really big return to the WWE mm-hmm. against against uh, Randy Orton. Yeah, which it still, which is probably still my favorite return moment of all time. Mm. No, I agreed with you on that one for sure. Oh man, I'm really going to show my age on this one. So my first experience of watching Chris Jericho was around late 99, 2000, when he was having that rivalry for the Intercontinental Championship against China, of all people. Wow, yeah. So yeah, I remember... Uh, specifically the, one of the very first things I remember about him was that uh, was the Royal Rumble in that triple threat match he had with China and Hardcore Holly because they needed to put yep. Hardcore Holly in the match for some reason. <laughs> um, There's a very good reason that Hardcore Holly was in that match. <laughs> very true, very true. But then, but yeah, I, I merely was captivated just by his in-ring style and how it was so kind of different from everybody else at that time. Um, especially when he was doing like triangle drop kicks and springboards out into the uh, into the uh, uh, onto the um, outside, crazy what this guy could do, and he had such great kind of technical awareness around the ring as well. Uh, that was the like one of the very first things I remember, and I was only eight at the time, and I can still figure that. I still remember all that stuff. Thinking about Jericho, also I just thought yeah, he looked I really think... freaking cool. <laughs> I think I think that was probably one of the things about it that I liked, where he kind of struck that balance between Matt Wrestler and High Flyer that really interested me. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let us start at the beginning, which is always a very good place to start. If the sound of music is anything to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Born in Mahasset, New York, in November 1970 and grew up in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. He is the father of New York Rangers legend Ted Irvine. And when he was a kid... Father of him. Oh, son. Did I say son or did I say father? 
I <laughs> he was the son of New York Rangers legend Ted Irvine, I should say. <laughs> God, I, I I was looking at my notes as well when I said that, so I shouldn't have. No, uh, whatever. <laughs> so <laughs> growing up, he wanted to be two things when he was a kid: a, a wrestler and a rock star. He didn't know which one he wanted to do, so he said he wanted to do both. And he first started watching re- uh, wrestling with his grandmother, watching AWA and Stampede Wrestling as a kid. And as a teen, he ended up watching Owen Hart and was absolutely inspired. He's like, all right, that's it. I want to be a wrestler. There is no doubt in my mind. I've just seen what Owen Hart can do. I want to be a wrestler. So at 19, in 1990, he attends the Hart Brothers Wrestling Camp in Calgary, where he first meets Lance Storm. Uh, as, as he says in his book, he was pretty sure that he wasn't athletic because he looked like he carried a spare tire and was wearing a muumuu. Uh, <laughs> but apparently on the second day, he was absolutely jealous because the guy was shredded. <laughs> so both were trained by Ed Langley and Calgary local wrestler Brad Young. Um, only once, only one day were they trained by a Hart brother, and that was Keith Hart, who attended on the first day to collect their money and then put a submission hold on Jericho. Oh my god. <laughs> so, two, pretty much two months after completing his training, he hit the ground running in the Canadian Indies. His first match was against Lance Storm to a time limit draw, where he was billed as Cowboy Chris Jericho from Casper, yeah. Wyoming. I, I love that story so much. <laughs> Well, Cowboy he... Chris Jericho. Yeah. Well, his original name he was going to go for was Jack Action until Lance told him See, that that's sucked. Just, that's just <laughs> infinitely worse. I mean, it is infinitely worse. I mean, you know you've made something wrong when you t- when Lance Storm tells you that that name sucks. <laughs> <laughs> And then pretty much he would tour uh, northern Manitoba under the legend, Canadian legend, Tony Condello. Uh, He would also be touring with uh, guys like Edge, Christian and Reiner around that time as well. Uh, 91 would see his debut in Japan for FMW, believe it or not. Hell yeah. (laughs) He would tagging alongside Lance Storm as Sudden Impact. He was ahead yeah. of the curve. I mean, <laughs> you should see, you should see the like the Sergeant Pepper jackets they would wear uh, from their oh, entrance. Wow. It's an amazing thing. Imagine, could you believe it? Lance Storm actually having charisma in his ring gear. Believe it. Or not. <laughs> nah, it was all Jericho. It was all Jericho. <laughs> Lance Storm being angry because his tights can't just be the Canadian flag. <laughs> <laughs> Do you mean he's got to have lightning bolts? <laughs> I mean, this is the guy who had a rat tail. Come on, like, Lance Storm had a rat tail at a flat top, yeah. so come on. <laughs> he, so if we're going to talk about style, he's not here. <laughs> Imagine he had a, a rat tail at a flat top, though, because he couldn't be arse shaving the back of his head. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot tell me that Lance Storm didn't wear double denim. Oh, that no, he absolutely did. <laughs> oh, oh, trust me, we'll get to that little point with with Smoky Mountain Wrestling when they both debuted. You should see the hype video that they had as Sudden Impact. They were both wearing double denim. <laughs> <laughs> On horseback, may I add as oh well. Oh my god. <laughs> it just so happens that every so often everyone returns back to Cowboy Chris Jericho. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes back to Cowboy Chris Jericho. Eventually. But I'm getting a little ahead of myself. All right. Uh, so, yeah, shortly after FMW, he'd begin his excursion to Mexico, starting out as Leon de Oro, 
and eventually working for CMLL sorry, as Corazon de Leon, where he would capture the NWA World Middleweight Championship, the oldest championship in pro wrestling, uh, fun fact. He would hold it for a year, and this is where he would start his famed rivalry with Ultimo Dragon. Uh, 94, a short trip to Germany followed, and then eventually he landed in Genichiro Tenryu's WAR, or Wrestling and Romance. Which it, did change, it did change its name later, but while he was there, it was Wrestling and Romance. Which is like the most Japanglish really cool. name for a wrestling promotion you could think of, can't you? It sounds like all of them dress up like, dress up like magical boys, and I'm kind of here for it. I mean, I mean, I'm, could you imagine that? A magical boy and girl wrestling promotion. I mean, that's pretty much what Maki Ito's like nowadays, isn't it? It's kind of like... A full promotion of just people like Maki Ito. <laughs> I'd be down for that. Yeah, man. What, what, what is it? Um, uh, someone I was talking to in uh, the Discord for the Shining Wizards podcast uh, mentioned a, a company called uh, Makai. Yes. In Japan, where it's like a wrestling theater company. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. that was that was an experience watching. <laughs> oh. oh, no, they, they were a great company. But uh, yeah, uh, this is where, you know, for WAR, Jericho would uh, kind of solidify his massive rivalry with Ultimo Dragon. They would constantly fight one another for the IJ Junior Weight Championship. And uh, that this rivalry would actually get uh, Jericho his big kind of exposure to America. But again, getting a little bit ahead of myself, he'd also be part of Fuyuki Goon as Lion Doll with Hiromichi Fuyuki, Gedo, and Jado. <laughs> of course, Gedo. Oh God! Little <laughs> did we know he would become head booker for New Japan. <laughs> Gedo the wrestler. <laughs> Gedo the wrestler, indeed. Um, still wearing hey, the, the bandana way, over his eyes. Time, do you remember that time when Dick Togo was in the WWF? <laughs> yes, I do remember when Dick Togo was in the WWF. <laughs> Kai and Tai, we will never forget you. Um, but also, he would enter the... In 95, he would enter the second Super J Cup. This was the one which had not only Liger, but it had him. It had the Pegasus Kid. Uh, had Eddie Guerrero. And uh, a debuting in Japan, a 16-year-old Rey Mysterio, who absolutely tore the house down in his match. Because Rey Mysterio, even at the very beginning... Be Rey Mysterio. <laughs> Who's that jumping out the sky? Still, still his best theme. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Boyaka, Boyaka, six foot nine. Uh... <laughs> it's just that. It's just that opening, opening line that I love so much because it's just so specifically crafted for the bit that follows it. Exactly. <laughs> I kind of admire it. Exactly. exactly. It's just a shame that the whole jumping out bit kind of damaged his knees a bit <laughs> yeah it did make him pray to knees but it was wonderful <laughs> okie doke this then gets us as i said his first uh that uh, rivalry with dragon ultimately got him his first mainstream uh job in america debuting for ecw in 1996 in a for a short stint having great matches with mick foley taz rob van dam two cold scorpio in his short run, he would capture the TV title from Pitbull number two in August, 
and shortly, I think, I believe it might have been a month after that, he caught the attention of Eric Bischoff, who pretty much on the spot gave him a job at WCW. And this is where we're going to begin our big discussion. With can, I just think, can I just say quickly that that match between Chris Jericho and Two Cold Scorpio goes so fucking hard. It really does. And boy, I'm, I'm saying, I'm calling it now, like, we we will do an episode on Two Cold Scorpio in the Oh, future. we have to. <laughs> that, yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, we will start with WCW 1996. He debuts in the Cruiserweight division in matches against Alex Wright and Chris Benoit. He was booked as a clean-cut babyface in this match. As a matter of fact, his debut match on Monday Nitro against Alex Wright ends in a double countout because Alex Wright hits the guardrail and Chris Jericho checks up on him and then ref- and then like says in a in a post-match promo to lose to a guy via a countout is not the way I do things because I'm a clean-cut babyface and I'm Chris Jericho. Now, granted, this was during the NWO. So he was never going to fly as a clean cut baby facing WCW. <laughs> it just oh, wasn't yeah. happening. <laughs> it's a choice. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Uh, shortly, but shortly after that, around June in 97, he would actually capture the first of his cruiserweight titles <laughs> against six slash X Puck. Yeah. In that weird time where one, two, three kid left to join the WCW and then came back as six, I weird like I, I, some people say like it was a long time. It was only like four, four, five months. X Pac was in WCW. <laughs> Dude, I, lo- I like I just stopped. I just at some point just stopped keeping track of his names. <laughs> <laughs> that is fair. Uh, it was also during this time in WCW. Of course, he had that. Uh, that awful debut in New Japan as Super Liger, the the, yeah. the 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 evil side of Jushin Thunder Liger. Uh, if you've not seen this, read it. It's basically a Jushin Liger's costume, but in silver. And one of the things like Jericho says uh, in his autobiography about this is like he felt like he was in a body cast. He couldn't see out of the eye holes, and he was barely breathing. And you could tell that he was not that he was having an uncomfortable time because he was botching every single move he was trying to do. Oh boy! Like his when he goes for the triangle drop kick, where he does the springboard off like the second rope onto the drop into a drop kick on the person from the apron. He slips right off the second rope and then lands on his bottom. <laughs> Oof. It's one of those things that you kind of have to seek out as a so bad it's good. <laughs> but that was Super Liger's one and only time in New Japan because apparently when he went, I to wonder the back, why. Because when he went to the back, Liger absolutely tore him a new one. It's like, what have you done? Like, what? The, 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 that's probably gonna mess up my character now, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it turns out what right did at the end for the <laughs> Uh, all right, I want to like talk a little bit more now as we go into this with his rivalry with Dean Malenko because there are some truly amazing moments that he had with his rivalry with Dean Malenko. So, him as cruiserweight champion at this time, Dean Malenko has kind of, I guess, in kayfabe, left the company to go on for a little bit of a break. And I don't this. I think this just truly shows how good of a of a promo guy Chris Jericho is. He managed to build a like a seven month rivalry with just himself being there uh because he would cut promos on a on a <laughs> on a <laughs> on a picture of Dean Malenko on a tripod 
And he was. <laughs> hey, look, whatever way you get around it. Uh, I mean, I mean, I know, I know, he would make jokes about, oh god, this picture has more charisma than Dimalenko ever does. But <laughs> no, amazing, like hill work, like smarky hill stuff, or smarmy hill stuff here from Jericho. But of course, this gives us one of my personal favorite moments of his: the man of a thousand and four holds. Oh. Man, after, funny enough, after defeating Marty Jannetty of all people, <laughs> that's the second time we brought up Jannetty on the podcast. Around to it. <laughs> we knew we were coming. <laughs> the Jericho in a squash match, Jericho then proceeds to get a giant stack of computer paper and starts to read off his list of one thousand and four holds. Thoughts and feelings on this promo, everybody. <laughs> It's the reason I've said armbar all my life. <laughs> I don't know if there's anything more than that. Oh, also, uh, real quick, actually, before, if, unless it doesn't get mentioned, he is one of two wrestlers to invent a words that became popular. Yes. Yes. <laughs> which I always think of. <laughs> Like, because I remember, like, a great story that Chris talked about of, like, the moment he realized he'd made it is when he was watching, like, Nickelodeon or, like, a cartoon and someone called someone an ass clown, and that's when he knew he'd made it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ass clown and SmackDown. I just yeah. love... I just love... I love how he's... When he's reading them off, of course, he's putting our bar after each and every single one of them. But there's a little point just before it goes to a break where he goes like hole number seven, the moss covered free handled family gradunzel. Hole number eight, the hamzavaba. <laughs> some reason that just cracks I, me. I think my favorite bit of this promo is when I was reading up about it, and then apparently it's like a reference to someone else from like back in wrestling's history. Yes, so yeah, and so really? it was like. A person who called himself the man of a thousand hold, pre-Dean Malenko, and then he had a manager who was like, I have taught him two more, so now he is the man of a thousand and two holds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think the way this ends as well is just like, nobody remembers how this ends, but apparently Prince Ayukea comes out and kicks the holds off of Jericho's hand, and Jericho, being the scaredy cat he is, screams, my holds! Give me back my holds! And so the referees scramble to grab the scraps of paper and throw it at Jericho. <laughs> what am I supposed to do about my holds? He's... My hold! <laughs> but of course, um... this then comes into like the big payoff, which is the Cruiserweight Rumble that they had, where they had all of the Cruiserweight wrestlers yeah. in a kind of like a Royal Rumble-style match. The winner of that would immediately get a title shot for the Cruiserweight title. Uh, of course, this ends with Sicople and Juventud Guerrera as the final two. They both stare at each other. Juventud just taps him on the chest, gives him a thumbs up, whoop, eliminates himself. Everyone's confusion. Jericho ducks under the ring, starts bad-mouthing Sicople. Sicople takes his mask off, and to a ginormous pop, it's Dean Malenko under the mask. And then thus begins his conspiracy victim shtick for the next, I think it was month and a half. How <laughs> much do you reckon Dean Malenko hated wearing that mask? I'd give it a solid 8.5 out of 10 on the scale of <laughs> I'm really getting annoyed with this mask. Because he was wearing a wig under that mask as well. <laughs> 
Oh, uh, you look like a budget. Far, far too many clothes for me, Malenko. <laughs> <laughs> it's like looking like a budget Halloween La Parker, basically. Is what looks like. <laughs> I'm sorry, Sinclair, mm. play, but he kind of did look like a La Parker. <laughs> but yeah, no. Uh... Match a year at Halloween <laughs> Havoc. <laughs> Yeah, yes, no, yeah, yeah, that's it. Screw Eddie versus Rey Mysterio at Halloween Havoc. Sokoplay versus La Parker. <laughs> to see who gets the chair at the first moment of the match. Uh, <laughs> but no, the conspiracy victim uh, shtick was absolutely hilarious. And for one little segment that they had, Chris Jericho, they, I think they were in Washington, D.C. for a, a funder. And Chris Jericho decides to go to the Library of Congress, to the White House to the Lincoln Memorial to claim that he is a conspiracy victim, wanted to look up the rules of wrestling at the Library of Congress to prove that Dean Malenko indeed did not win the Cruiserweight title in, fa- in, in all fairness because he was portraying a different wrestler. And he carried around a big placard with an arrow pointing down at him saying conspiracy victim. <laughs> just You just hear at this moment you get to see the, the, the more sillier kind of side of Jericho it's like one thing I've always really liked about Jericho is that he's definitely a person who does not take himself seriously I mean all I have to say following that point is if going assuming going by those rules then the uh, lost matadores are afforded like five <laughs> tag team title shots at this rate <laughs> <laughs> But an incredibly talented wrestler who kind of does, who, who definitely kind of knows his worth, but definitely does not take himself seriously. <laughs> um, it would all come crashing down though, and around '98 time when he uh, would move on to the television title and try to start a rivalry with Goldberg, which actually garnered a lot of traction from the fans. A lot of people wanted to see Goldberg absolutely destroy Jericho. I mean, I remember that I remember watching looking back on all this stuff, like the heat he was getting when he would do things like Goldberg would no show and he would immediately start the match and then Jericho would win via count out, so he's broken Goldberg's streak. Uh on Nitro he would bring out a midget Goldberg and absolutely destroy him. Uh he would <laughs> He would also bring out. This is when he brought out uh, the the Jericho-holic ninja, and I think Ralphus, the bodyguard, and to start mimicking <laughs> Goldberg's yeah. entrance. Um, and he would actually get lost on the way to the ring. <laughs> but uh, apparently, this all ended in kind of a whimper because Goldberg didn't want to put Jericho over, despite the fact it was going to be a squash match when they finally met. But Jericho wanted to make... Alright, look, we've built this up. Why don't we just make it like a like a pay-per-view match? Bischoff, Hogan and Goldberg weren't having it in any way, shape or form. And so this was... Uh, Jericho quotes this as the moment that he just had enough and wanted to go to the WWE at this point. Like, he tried his best to try and get elevate not only himself, but kind of like Goldberg and have a like kind of funny little storyline or like nice little offbeat storyline for Goldberg. He didn't want to be laughed at. He wanted to be taken seriously. Yeah, believe that. Goldberg wanted to be taken seriously. Uh, (laughs) It just so happens that every so often someone recreates Goldberg. (laughs) (laughs) The cycle never ends. And so, yeah, this was the catalyst for him leaving for the WWF. And so we get to, I want to say it's September, August or September of 1999. 
Uh, and uh, for weeks we've been seeing a countdown to the Millennium Clock ticking down ever so much. And on this Monday Night Raw, right in the middle of a promo, a rock promo, the clock goes off into a massive, massive pop at the Allstate Arena in Chicago. Chris Jericho debuts. And as a matter of fact, fun fact, that that Christ pose was actually taken from Michael Jackson. Really? Believe it or not, he, he, he took that from Michael Jackson. He... I mean, he's, he's spent a lot of time talking about how he's infinitely inspired by music. <laughs> that I is him, true. I remember him saying in one of his interviews that one of his biggest character inspirations was David Lee Roth from Van Halen. Oh, God. Now that you say that, I can't unsee it. Holy <laughs> shit. You've only got to look at his gear like. Exactly. Yeah. 2003, it is just Van Halen covers. Yep. <laughs> so, oh, man. This, this debut. Oh, man. I don't think... There's very few debuts i'd feel like have been quite as iconic as this one since since like yeah th this one's a, a, a kind of funny one because i feel like for some reason whenever i see people talking about it they can never agree whether or not they think it was good or bad i know jericho's gone on quote for saying it he didn't like it personally um i think it was it was it was good I think the, the 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 ovation he got was amazing and well deserved of Jericho, but there's when you look at the promo he's doing, you can definitely there's there's some there's some little bits of here and there like I can definitely see he was still trying to go very much for that WCW character he had, you know the 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 whiny heel. Mm. Um, I think I think personally, if there's one thing that kind of knocks the debut down and i love that debut i really mm. do but i think it's the fact that he's debuting next to the rock i mm. think that i think debuting next to the rock whilst is great to show like his bona fides was perhaps a poor choice see the only the only thing for me is they're counting down to this new millennium in 1999, and they have him debut in August. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> also another, that's another point that, that I've that always a, had an issue with. Yeah, yeah that's so. a very, very good point. <laughs> I have to say, though, the idea of calling himself Y2J is an incredibly inspiring Oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's, I mean, so good, it's weird, and believe it or not, like that was kind of like one of his names for his finisher. So he had a, like a yeah. big list of finishes that he wanted to kind of call the uh, the, the lion tamer at that point, and uh, Vin I believe it was Vince that saw one that said the Y two J problem, and he said no, no, that's it, that's you, and he said what? No, Y two J, no, that's going to be your nickname, and oh. God did it stick so much so that apparently yeah. Vince still calls him Y two J when he was backstage. That it's wouldn't a, surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me, but it is a. This is a man great. who quotes his own theme song in texts. Oh god! <laughs> but to be fair to him, that is a. It is a great ass. It's oh, a great it's an ass incredible nickname. nickname. And yeah. it has basically made sure that I actually remember what Y two K was <laughs> because. <Yeah. laughs> if we're being honest. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, no! It's I just I just remember the whole 
hubbub about that. But no, it was a great thing to have, like, the zeitgeist of the time. And what a better way to do that and to tap into that by making it a debut. Mm. So, no. Inspired by Jericho. Unfortunately, he kind of went a little... Well, it got really rocky for him very quickly after this. Like, he would uh, eventually debut against the Road Dog in a tables match. Um, which he won, I think, by disqualification. He would then he then got absolutely scalded backstage for interrupting the Undertaker mid promo and calling his uh, and calling the promo um, silly, stupid, and nonsensical. Now, this, believe it or not, he got reamed for that, despite the fact that promo the, he was talking about was the Undertaker's promo about the snake necktie and lizard boots thing with the Big Show. Oh. Oh, oh god. god. Oh it's snakey skin trousers undertaker. <laughs> <laughs> that was a thing. How he got reamed for he was he was even if it was in character, he was speaking the truth. That promo, if you've gone back and seen it, is absolutely stupid. <laughs> this is the problem this is the problem with the Undertaker being seen as the backroom leader. Yeah. Yeah, it's because Vince was sat backstage rubbing his lap, thinking about Big Show in <laughs> snake skin boots in the desert. <laughs> <laughs> Big oh, sweaty man. man. Oh god, I get it now. Damn it! <laughs> and then, of course, it got even more rocky with Jericho when he was partnered with uh, with Mister Hughes, and then eventually Howard Finkel. <laughs> because love the think because what 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 screams to you a guy that needs a mouthpiece despite the fact he is very charismatic on the mic than Howard Finkel I, I, I oh, don't know I, I, I don't, don't know, know. I got you know if they gave if they gave him the personal ring announcer gimmick yes then I then I'd understand that but as a as, as like a, a manager, I mean, Mister Hughes was bad enough. I mean, <laughs> but God, Howard Finkel, man, that is the. But then it's a choice. It is a choice. I'm not so sure if it, it was a good choice, though. <laughs> no, but uh, <laughs> this would then, of course, as I talked about uh, right at the beginning, uh, he would then be paired with China for a rivalry for the IC title. Now, if you remember this, this was the time when the McMahon-Helmsley regime was just starting. Uh, and then they, and then Stephanie made the call to make them the co-intercontinental champions. Yeah. So they would both defend the title. <laughs> of course, this didn't work, which then led to the Royal Rumble match. <laughs> and then, of course, Hardcore Holly was put in there because, you know, Hardcore Holly. Um... We, we've covered that story before, haven't we? I believe we have. <laughs> I yeah. believe yeah. we have. Forget yeah, we have well, for anyone who hasn't listened yet, listen to the episode, which I believe was our Intercontinental title episode. Yes. Um, Hardcore Holly was in that match because apparently whenever you were in a match with China, you literally had to call the match as it was going. <laughs> Because she couldn't remember stuff, so you, every, whoever was in there with her had to keep telling her what to do. <laughs> oh, man. But no, this, fortunately, he would capture the IC title. And this would begin, of course, his first of nine intercontinental title reigns, which I still believe 
is the most icy title reigns of anyone I in the WWE. I believe mm. he is still the record holder. I believe Miz is just one away from that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Miz is one behind. I think would it last year or year before when Miz were going for IC title and people were saying, yeah, they're going to just give it to him so he ties the record. Mm. Mm. Probably would have been last year. I believe it. Yeah, I think it was last year. Oh, oh, I mean, my memory's a bit foggy given you know twenty twenty was the was the was the Orwell year for WWE. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the IC title existing. <laughs> That's how you know who held it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, this would then, of course, we get from China, and then we go on to possibly one of his best, most storied rivalries. Of course, these guys had met in the Super J Cup, they had met in WAR, they had met a couple of times in WCW. But I think it was really here we got to talk about his rivalry with Chris Benoit. Yeah, man. God, they did go for it. The Battle of the yeah. Chris's. What an amazing upper mid card the WWF had at this time, man. <laughs> when you think about really it, because well, this is gonna, this is going to sound like a really really random offshoot from this, but I was talking to someone recently, um, and they asked me why I had D'Lo Brown in my top ten wrestlers of like, I'm saying recent time, but since like post two thousand. And I was like, the thing you don't realize though is that. If he wasn't around at the time he was in, he would have been a certified main eventer. Yeah. Yeah. But he just had so many other people with him at the same time who were all incredible. Yeah. Man. And you think about like the IC title, um the IC title pic- title picture at that time and you know, you still have so much talent in it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember that so one of their very first encounters in WWF was believe it or not at WrestleMania 2000, um, in the triple. Was that fra- in? Yeah, that was in the triple threat tag match, wasn't it? Oh no, the triple threat two out of three falls match to determine oh, the Intercontinental sorry, yes. European Champion. Yes, uh, yes Kurt yes, Angle in the mix um, of that again. God, what an upper mid card to have Jericho Benoit and Angle. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, that match goes hard. <laughs> um. So, yeah, oh man, this was, believe it or not, that would be the first of six pay-per-view matches these guys would be in. <laughs> Whoa! In the year 2000. So that's, I mean, I think the the creative team knew what they had and was like, yes, we need more of that, please. <laughs> you, it's weird because if, if when you go back to this mania, WrestleMania 2000, mm. he wasn't even going to be in that match. Yep. He was, they hadn't brought McFoley back. Yeah, he was supposed to be in the main event, uh, if, I, if I'm correct. I mean, even in... I think the promotional material even had him pictured um, with the, with um, show Triple H and, and The Rock. But uh, no, yeah. I think Vince... The story is that Vince didn't see him as a big enough draw and so coaxed McFoley out of retirement one month after retirement, may I add, to come back. <laughs> Oh dear! I know. Uh, I always when well, I always say McFoley retired. When I say McFoley retired, he retired at No Way Out. That's it. <laughs> um, but yeah, that 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 one that was a big big shame. Uh, he would I think he won the European title at that uh, at that Mania and then dropped it the next day to Eddie Guerrero if if memory serves me correct because I think that's what started the Latino heat 
uh, uh, partnership between Eddie and China was yeah, that yeah. match. Uh, of course, at this time, an offshoot from the Benoit rivalry, there was that amazing moment on Monday Night Raw where Jericho won the WWF Championship against Triple H. Uh, even though mm-hmm. Earl Hebner did make a fast count. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> No, I don't know. I'm just gonna say Damn that. Damn it, Earl. <laughs> doesn't doesn't matter because the 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 crowd pop on that was amazing. Uh, but the was the decision was reversed pretty much straight after because you know that's how Triple H roll. <laughs> <laughs> Triple H B as always Triple Hing. <laughs> <laughs> but at this at the same time, this would also start a, a kind of like mini feud with Triple H. He would have a last man standing match at Fully Loaded. It was at this ma- It was at this um, pay per view as well that uh, Chris Benoit had a match against The Rock. So I believe that this was this fully loaded with, I think they, pa- they paired Angle, Jericho, and Benoit with the main eventers to make sure, like, are these guys, you know, up for being in the, like, the main event picture with these guys? And apparently all three of them massively impressed Vince to the point where it's, all right, we'll, we'll try and see if we can get them into the main event. Um, this all... This all, I guess, the the rivalry between these two kind of culminates at the 2001 Royal Rumble in that ladder match for the IC title. Now, oh man, did these guys have one hell of a match uh, in more ways than one. They, these guys kicked lumps out of each other. And uh, there was a really... Oh, I don't know who fought up with this idea. It probably was Benoit who probably fought up the idea that they did a couple of times in the match where Jericho would be outside. Benoit would go for the suicide dive. I'm sorry, the Tope Suicida, because that's bad wording on my part. Um, uh, And then Jericho would get a chair and swing it at his head as he's diving through the ropes. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, man landing on that because he's trying to get his arms up to take the chair shot he yeah. forgets that he's about to hit the floor yep <laughs> oh of course this also gave us the famous walls of jericho on the top of the ladder spot as well which is oh, yes. incredible so cool. spot, by so, such a cool spot but uh yeah pretty much after wrestlemania x7 they would end up having a quite a uh, run with the wwf tag championships uh, and then having a rivalry with the, the two-man power trip of Steve Austin and Triple H. Of course, that one was kind of cut very much, very short because Triple H uh, blew his knee out. In, the, in I think it was a Monday Night Raw that, for the tag titles against Benoit and Jericho. Yeah, because I remember, I remember that time where Benoit and Jericho were, were teaming up together because I remember they had one of the TLC matches that was on Raw, I believe. Hmm. Which yeah, I, uh, them it was them, uh, the Dudleys, and Edge and Christian, and I think maybe the Hardy Boys were involved as well. Yes. Yeah, that, and that match goes crazy. That match, that match. Same one. Really that's, the, that's the same one where uh, Spike Dudley gets obliterated by Kurt Angle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh gosh, yes that that one. Oof, that one is something. But before I move on to one of his well one of Jericho's like amazing pillar moments man this rivalry between him and Benoit they really did bring out the best in each other at this time and uh, I think it's a testament to how good they were doing because they were being set to get into the main event scene at Mm. that time so it's just two 
players who are really good at what they do. <laughs> <laughs> Too damn good, actually, if you ask me. Anyway, I will forego talking about the invasion because, God, every podcast in his mum have talked about the invasion angle. <laughs> So we'll skip. Kind of unavoidable at some point. <laughs> we will have to do. I just like everyone else. We will have to do an episode at some point, maybe in the year twenty fifty, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, I will skip that and get straight to the undisputed championship. Um, as he will always tell you, he defeated the Rock and Steve Austin at the same night at Vengeance to become the very first. United, uh, sorry, undisputed champion, uh, unifying the WWF and WCW championships. Now, fun story about this is that Vince told him he was going to, but then kind of backtracked on it and said that maybe Kurt Angle was going to win it. As a matter of fact, Kurt Angle, I think, turned around to Jericho and said, yeah, I'm going to win the title of Vengeance. Um... So when he got to the to the arena at that day, he was like, "Oh, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to win this then." Uh, but turns mm. out, he ends up becoming undisputed champion with a lot of interference, thanks to Booker T as well. But he did win the match. He did win both matches to become uh, the undisputed champion. Quite like two very long matches. I remember the Rock match. I think might have been around the 15 minute mark. The Austin match, literally straight after he won. Uh, the match with Rock went on for about 20 minutes. Um, good decision in my part. I, I, oh, yeah. I, 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 you know, what, you know, you could give it to a baby face and maybe I think it would lose kind of its allure. Uh, give it to the, the one of the best heels in the company and then people are going to be wanting and clamoring for someone to take the title off him. <laughs> yeah. So no, I you know good decision, and I feel like Jericho really was in his element at this part. I mean, unfortunately, of course, they paired him with Stephanie soon after with this part, which I just guess makes no sense. Yeah, the the incredibly cursed storyline, <laughs> the very incredibly cursed story. Which at this time I forgot as well that Jericho was using the stroke as one of his finishes, wasn't he? Yeah, that was when he caught. That was when he had the breakdown, which is just the skull-crushing finale. All <laughs> yeah. the stroke, <laughs> full Nelson face buster. If you're of the technical variety, <laughs> but yeah, uh, this would also see uh, him having matches against Austin, uh, The Rock on the lead up to WrestleMania. When of course the returning triumphant Triple H would return for WrestleMania. I mean, this match is forgotten for a very good reason. Because this match had to go on after Hogan versus Rock. Yeah. <laughs> but Which went... is an unfortunate place to be. Damn right. But I went back and watched it. And fair play. It's not a bad match. Not a bad match at all from the pair of them. It's just a shame that no one was into it because the crowd was just so damn tired after screaming their lungs out after Hogan and Rock. Yeah. But uh, no, Jericho pretty much after that would not see the world like being the world title picture until at least 2005. But there is a lot we need to go to like get through in between that time. Uh, putting over John Cena in 2002 when he debuted. Um the great rivalry 
he had with Hulk Hogan for a little bit after he won the uh, the title, but never got a title shot for some bizarre reason. <laughs> um, Don't question it. And of course, the tag team that he had with Christian. Ah, oh, the tag team he had with Christian in two thousand and two. So many amazing, like funny moments from this. It's just like being smarmy Canadians who hate Canada. <laughs> I remember one promo of them going, "Oh, maybe we'll come back with the Maple Leafs win the Stanley Cup in 2034." Oh, <laughs> Ever green joke. <laughs> Ever green joke. <laughs> Canada, Will they be right? Will they be right? Uh, but of course, we need to talk about probably uh, with with in this Christian feud. Uh, oh no, sorry, right, uh, tag team, which then ended up being into a feud. Of course, they uh, have a stopgap with Shawn Michaels, the returning Shawn Michaels. And Damn, I thought we were going to talk Tyson Tomko. Uh, we'll talk. Um... <laughs> Tyson Tomko, that's a name I haven't heard in a long <laughs> old time. There's reasons for that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, I want to talk about the WrestleMania 19 match he had with Shawn Michaels. Because. Damn, this match is good. So that is a very good match. Yeah, WrestleMania 19, 2003, from Seattle, Washington, at Safeco Field. Yes, this is the same WrestleMania where Brock Lesnar decided to dump dump himself on his head as a WrestleMania <laughs> moment. <laughs> but no, a lot of people, myself included, think that this match was match of the of the event, which even saw the debut of Nathan Jones in the ring as well. Believe it or not. Oh hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in the sea of a lot of of a lot of shit, we did get a quite a good match in Shawn Michaels and Chris Jericho. Um, oh man, I love the build up for this match as well. Was that Jericho, you know, being uh, emulated Shawn Michaels his his entire career? I think they even showed like tapes of old Jericho matches from the Canadian Indies, um, like like spot for spot copying Shawn Michaels like moments um and then kind of saying no, no I'm going to be the first Chris Jericho I hate you Shawn Michaels you know what I'm going to do to show you that hate I'm going to keep kicking you in the dick <laughs> <laughs> which is a very Chris Jericho decision <laughs> but no uh oh, such you a forfeited your right to balls <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> oh no, this match is great because again, tit for tat, great height flying, technical moments in this, and oh man, I think a lot of people were still unsure about Shawn Michaels and if they could still go, but a lot of people kind of that that was kind of quelled when this match happened. I mean, granted, he had a really weird haircut at this time; it was kind of like a mushroom on top of his head. <laughs> but apart from that. Great match. Do you guys have have you seen this match and what are some of your favourite moments from this match? I can't remember if I've seen this match, honestly. I have definitely seen this match at some point, but I know I haven't seen it recently enough to remember <laughs> anything from it. <laughs> I think this this match is one of Michael's better mania matches. The build to it is a bit strange with Jericho has a has an over the top rope elimination match and he gets to pick what number he he gets to enter in the rumble and he goes, oh, I'm gonna come out number two so I can face Shawn Michaels and then just batters him from behind. Yeah, <laughs> I think it was Christian did the switcheroo, I believe, at the entrance as well. He got Christian oh, to I... the switcheroo. 
I love that entrance of Christian just turning around and tapping his chest. Ah, I fucking got you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this match, this match is amazing. And to be fair, the ending as well, like with Jim Ross turning around, they, they're hugging each other in the ring and he goes, God, I didn't expect that from Jericho. And then just bang, right, kick you in the dick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the way only Shawn Michaels sells is like a kick in the dick and he's dead like he yeah. ain't getting out of that ring he's like he's properly dead <laughs> we can all relate to that <laughs> damn right no damn right um, but yeah after this uh, with during all of this with Christian of course he would debut the highlight reel which he wanted to call Jericho's Junction but apparently Vince doesn't like alliterations and so he was calling himself the human highlight reel, hence why it was called the highlight reel. Um, Goldberg, believe it or not, was his first guest. We eventually get... got there in the end, boys. We eventually got to Goldberg and his debut in the WWE at this time. And of course, that famous backstage story. So Goldberg apparently was running his mouth that apparently Jericho won't do the job to anybody, despite the fact that, you know... Goldberg wasn't doing the job for Jericho in WWE. It's what? very bold of Goldberg to That's... say, oh man, I can't believe this guy won't do the job. <laughs> that is insane to hear. And so... Jeez, Goldberg! <laughs> Pot, kettle. <laughs> and so they both got into it and had a bit of a tussle, which saw Jericho actually win this tussle by getting him into a headlock. Yeah, Jericho won a fight against Goldberg. <laughs> Can you hear the audible shock and silence from that? I, don't know, I, like, I, I kind of love it. I love the idea that Goldberg's just this really, really big guy. <laughs> it's just like he just doesn't know how to move his body. If we were going to focus on a Jericho backstage fight, I wish I'd have been there for the him and Lesnar. Yes! <laughs> oh, God. Oh, gosh, yes. That, that that famous moment, of course, after, I think that was the SummerSlam match with Randy Orton, I believe, yeah. he busted him open hard way. Yeah, where he just fucking yeah. decides, I oh, guess I'm now going to over Randy Orton in the forehead like 17 times, and he's like yeah. beating his own. And that was horrific. And so Jericho honestly believed that Lesnar was, I believe, was going into business for himself, and it was like, what the hell do you think you know? Yeah, I would have loved to have seen that. It, for for me, it for me the extra bit that makes it even more amazing is that apparently there was like two other people with him in Gorilla, <laughs> and they're just seeing Chris Jericho get really really angry while he's like pacing around next to like Vince and all the producers. <laughs> he's just going around just like I can't fucking believe this. <laughs> it, it's really not well. I'm gonna say it really is like Jericho to have a backstage fight. Um... <laughs> I went to a live show in Leeds and apparently on the bus to their next live show after that one, Sin Cara was pissing people off on the bus, so Jericho just got up and threw him off the bus. <laughs> and just left him. Oh, God. Did he try and use a trampoline to jump back on the top of the bus? <laughs> yeah, he hooked the rope. Yeah, I, he, he I, I, I imagine that he just always has a trampoline on his person at all times. <laughs> oh, he gets into his house. <laughs> Some trampoline. Oh, man. Oh, gosh, where was I? Oh, yeah, Jericho, 2003 with Christian. <laughs> but no, this uh, it would all come to a head and end when Jericho uh, got, started a romance with Trish Stratus. 
uh, when Christian tried to begin one with Lita, and it was a bet for a Canadian dollar to see who would bed who first. <laughs> one dollar Canadian. Hey, guy. <laughs> Attitude here, amazing, isn't it? <laughs> oh. Of course, Trish overheard this and then started a love triangle between Jericho, Christian, and and, and Trish. We're all culminated at WrestleMania 20 in a not bad, solid match between these two. Um, no. Nope. <laughs> so I went back to watch this one. These two had a pretty damn good Mania match. Yeah, it's um, almost like two guys who are really good at what they do have good matches. Absolutely. And of course, it ended up being very soap opery. The end where, uh, of course, Trish yeah. betrays Jericho, gives him a low blow, and then it found out that Trish and Christian were in cahoots all along. And of course, I wonder what... Make a dollar. Also as well, I don't know what up, what is up or whatever what the hell Trish Stratus likes, but apparently she does like hair pulling. Hmm. Hey, look, we're not here know? to judge. We're not here to judge. <laughs> we are, I am not. Oh, I am definitely not one to judge. But that is still a hmm. <laughs> Indeed. It's a bit weirder when a few months later she breaks a wrist. Exactly. <laughs> In, insert the Trish Stratus and Steve Blackman skit. Oh, <laughs> man, that is a big kendo stick. Oh, oh no, if I remember <laughs> rightly, wasn't Grandma? Didn't Grandmaster Sexy run in, walk yeah. in, and see the he silhouette? He just fucking bottom banging it for me. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just seeing it. Oh god, I love that skit so much. <laughs> oh god, damn it! I forgot about that one. Thank you for reminding me, Dad. All right. Never forget about that skit. <laughs> We'll, all right, we'll end. We'll we'll end this first run in WWF with his rivalry with John Cena, uh, that culminated in SummerSlam 2005 for the WWE Championship. Now, I believe Cena made his Raw debut on a episode or on a seg on the sorry on a highlight reel segment, I believe, and then attacked Jericho, and thus what started the rivalry. And if memory serves me correct, they also had like a, in the build up to SummerSlam, also had like a like a a gig show off, like a battle of the bands where Cena promoting his debut album, of course, you <laughs> can't see me, featuring the trademark, um, performed live, and then I believe Fozzy was supposed to perform, but Jericho was like, no, because I'm a heel, and if I bring out my band, we're probably not going to be doing well in ticket sales and CD sales, because people will think we're a stupid band. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I mean, because who, who listens to Fozzy nowadays? Moving on. Hey, um, you <laughs> I'm just staring directly at you, Sam. I, well, look, I went to one Fozzy gig in 2011. Don't judge me. Oh, not even when they were good. <laughs> I, yeah, think, I think the one, thing, one of the more pressing things with Fozzy is I didn't realise he'd been part of that band since like 1999. Yes. I thought he started that band in like, like 2012. Nope. <laughs> I never Same. realized it was yeah, that old. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I'm with you there, Dan. <laughs> I, I, I assumed that, oh, he's finally he's finally doing it. No, no, no. That band's been around forever. <laughs> <laughs> God, man, I really just showed how much of a Jericho mark I am, aren't I? Yeah. <laughs> that, 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 no, I'm, a, I'm a big old Jericho mark. I just never realised it was that old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, SummerSlam 2005. Uh, 
solid match. Solid match from the pair of them. Uh, and then and then on the next right, uh, nah, and then the Raw after SummerSlam, I should say, he has one more chance at the WWE title. But if he loses, he is fired from the WWE. Cena wins, lol. And Jericho is escorted yeah. out, being dragged, kicking and screaming out of the building and out of WWE for two years, believe it or not. Yeah. Was it like correct me if I'm wrong here, Sam. <laughs> Wasn't this the way he wanted to retire? This is the way he wanted to retire, yeah. Like kicking and screaming, being like whiny, begging for his job. That's the way he wanted to go. He didn't want to go out in a blaze of glory. He wanted to go out like a like a spoiled brat. <laughs> you know what? I liked I liked this bit though of him dragging him out. The bit that I didn't like was Oh, Jericho's been fired. Yeah, focus on Cena getting attacked by Kurt Angle now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just Kevin done things. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah. Jericho would be out for a couple of years. He would end up doing um, podcasts. He would end up doing stuff with Fozzy. He ended up being a groundling, being part of the, that comedy troupe, the groundlings, as an honorary member. He did, of course, the amazing uh, sci-fi film Android Apocalypse. An absolute Never classic. heard of it. Going to have to find that <laughs> um, one now. Uh, no, you're not. <laughs> uh, yes, I am. Is that, is that the another watch along uh, film? I hate both. Of no, them first so off, much. no, first off, we're doing Jingle All the Way to. I don't ah, care. Yes. Jingle All the Way to it shall be. You're all. But a bunch of bastards. I want to <laughs> Trust me, I already know that. <laughs> You've got this on record, Alex. Weirdy <laughs> things were bastards. I've come here. I've been called a bastard. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> you know what you did, Alex. <laughs> right. I'm sorry. I mentioned Mark Gennetti. All right, but can we get past this now? <laughs> <laughs> and so we get to 2007 and his return. Uh, with, of course, the the cryptic binary code matrixy uh, hype packages that were that were playing for, I think, it was about like three months. Probably something yeah, they, like they that. For a while, all I remember is just that one video where it's like the code. What does the code mean? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it went on for a very long time, and even Jericho, uh, when he was being interviewed, kind of stated outright that, it, that this wasn't him. But sure enough. On the on the day where it was supposed to be broken, the code. Yeah, Jericho. It, it was Jericho, and the, of course, the, it, this was during Randy Orton's tor- passing of the torch ceremony, where Jericho attacks the guy holding the torch, and then so we get Jericho's big second return, or as he's called it, the second coming of Y2J, complete with a sparkly waistcoat this time, but the shirt. Yeah, and a John Bon Jovi haircut, but still. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this was a really good return. Like, God, it's it was so a fantastic good. return. So... This is just worth saying. Chris Jericho with the big gold just seems natural. Absolutely. It really does. Oh, man. What do I start with? I mean, what, I'm I... so happy he had that and not the spinner belt. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Same. Oh, gosh. Man, the feud with Sean. We'll we'll go straight in with the feud with Sean Michaels, uh, eventually morphing into the best in the world of what I do. Oh man! I mean, what I a... just remember that ladder match. 
Such a good match. At no mercy. Oh, yeah. What a oh, match. Man. This was great. And I think a great character evolution of Jericho's as well. Like, he uh, he, he realised he realized very quickly that he's, his character had grown stale because he was being very much the same as he was when he had left. And so he said, oh, what can I do to be different? All right, I'll be a heel. But I can't just be the heel that I've already been like so many times before. What can I do? What's, what's something different I can do? One viewing of No Country for Old Men Later and being, uh, <laughs> being absolutely inspired by Anton Chigurh and, of course, Nick Bockwinkle from the, from the AWA, and thus we get the best in the world character. Slow talking, monosyllabic words, wearing suits. He is no longer the rocker we all knew. He's very much the the sadistic wrestler and knows that he's the best at what he does and will systemically break you down till he becomes world champion. Um, God, I, honestly, for me, this is peak Jericho. This is Jericho at his best in terms of heel work. Mm. And this, just... this rivalry with Shawn Michaels, I feel like, really exemplifies that. Like, do you remember that? I think it was the SummerSlam of 2000, I want to say 2008, where Shawn Michaels is kind of there to say that he may be retiring, but has not outright said it yet. He's there with his yeah. wife. Jericho comes out, calls him a coward. Um, and then uh, I think, and then I remember. Uh, the the moment of that was that uh, Shawn Michaels and his wife turns around. Jericho grabs Michaels. Michaels ducks and bonk. Jericho punches uh, Michaels' wife square in the face. Which if, which you find out in the book, he actually stiffed Michaels' wife in the face because he was <laughs> trying to. He actually <laughs> gave her a potato. Bang! Right in the chin. Wow. I shouldn't be laughing. I shouldn't be laughing. No, the only reason I'm laughing as well is because um, uh, after when they all got backstage and uh, his wife was being tended to, Jericho Jericho goes up to goes up to Michael's wife and says, "I'm so sorry," and she says, "Well, you should have hit me harder then, shouldn't you?" <laughs> <laughs> You know, I forget that everyone in wrestling is on some level hardcore as hell. <laughs> but yeah, oh man, what great matches these guys had. Like Great American Bash, yeah. the ladder match at No Mercy. Uh, oh gosh, the... Uh, 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 oh, what was the other one? Uh, the one where... Um, I think it was the stri- the unsanctioned match. That was the one. The one where oh, he has yeah. the... Uh, Unforgiven, where he has, where he starts whipping Jericho on the uh, uh, on his back. Um, it was later that night, though. I think that Unforgiven that Jericho had won the World Heavyweight Championship in the Championship Scramble because he replaced yep. uh, CM Punk. Which again, I still don't get why he replaced CM Punk when he was the World Champion. But you know, it gave us Jericho as World Champion and uh, a great rivalry with Edge leading up to WrestleMania. Oh yeah. Oh man, in a mania that had arguably one of the best matches in the second meeting of Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker, again another good match, like a world title match with Jericho uh, against Edge. It's again, it's just a shame that that had to go on. I think it might, I think it went on after that as well. Yeah, uh, it probably did. 
Damn. Now, that is a fantastic match. It has one of the scariest looking bumps I've ever seen it when he gets speared off the announce table. Oh, God, mm. yeah. Oh, I remember that. Ow. I'm pretty sure he goes, the back of his head hits against a chair. It's awful. Uh, no, another match from this same time that I want to mention, I think it's afterwards, but it's 2009, um, the Mask versus Title match at the Bash 2009. Oh, it was this the IC title, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. Oh, they had a great... The, these guys had a really good rivalry. And if, again, um, from Jericho's book, this would have been... This apparently was one of the very first kind of rivalries that Mysterio and Jericho had had. They had met sporadically in WCW for the Cruiserweight title, but this was the, actually the first time they got to work properly together on a long-term yeah. story. And, uh... Oh, it's so good. These guys... I don't think even at this time from when they last met in WCW to like 2009, they did not miss a beat. They are they work so well together. Indeed, again, it is just that thing when when you are that good and on their level, you just have that kind of natural chemistry together. Yeah, and like and, and it's also worth saying that they are two people who may, they may not have worked together much, but they know and understand each other. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I think a lot of people thought Jericho's career were coming to an end at this point. Because yeah. before that, he had the match at Mania versus Steamboat, Snooker and Piper. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. with Mickey Rourke. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, and then following beating all three, had a singles match with just Steamboat. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm sure Steamboat's like 64 at this point. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what it was, but when... when... When did he have? When did he have? I believe it was the Mania match with Fandango. This would have been WrestleMania twenty. That would have been WrestleMania twenty nine. That's twenty nine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Crazy man. Because I remember that very specifically. <laughs> uh, another run with the unified tag team, with the tag team championships. I say this time the unified with a uh, with originally was Edge, but then uh, was replaced with Big Show to form. Jericho. I'm just what trying to picture. Name. I'm just trying to picture the thought process there, where you're like, "Well, you can't tag team. You can't tag with Veg anymore." So, um, big show. <laughs> because, because at that time, especially, every single problem with the WWE was like, just insert big show, and it will work. I mean, it won't work anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But at that true, but at that time, uh, big show, big show, and pretty much after that, like Jericho, kind of almost was like faded into the background because the Nexus storyline was happening. He was involved in that, but then like <laughs> he was, he was bickering with Cena about you know what who should be taking leadership of Team WWE. Um, Again, like the storyline was, he was punished for not showing solidarity against them, and then sooner, soon after that, he was punted in the head by Randy Orton and then written out of TV. All um, I'm saying is, he should have had more involvement in that storyline because he was a coach from the first season of NXT. Yes, absolutely. I think Just didn't he, I believe he Daniel was... Bryan was his trainee. No, that was the Miz. The Miz was uh, Daniel Bryan's trainee. I think it was Heath Slater. Shit. <laughs> Believe wow. it or not, it was, I think it was Heath... No, no, it was Wade Barrett. Oh, it was Wade Barrett. Yeah, it was Wade Barrett. I just remembered. 
There you go, Barrett Barrage. Uh, <laughs> bring back the ball hammer. Anyhow, we get to his second return, and we uh, what I lovingly dub Troll Jericho, where for <laughs> weeks he just would not talk. <laughs> He's just standing there menacingly. I, I loved how the, the vignettes this time around were like proclaiming the end of the world with two small children. And it was all very ominous. And then suddenly it was Jericho. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. And then he didn't talk. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and this, by the way, in 2012, he should have won the Royal Rumble. Like, I know Seamus yeah, we... won the Royal Rumble, but it should have been Jericho. <laughs> yeah, but like, when has whoever we wanted to win the Royal Rumble actually won? Uh, um... 2020? Maybe, maybe. Like, when yeah. did when did Kofi when did Kofi get the nod? Oh wait, no, he didn't win the World Rumble. Won a Rumble. No, it was Drew Drew in twenty twenty. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's probably about it. Maybe yeah. Austin in two thousand and one. Come on, Ray Mysterio. Ray Mysterio. Ray Mysterio. Yeah, Ray Mysterio. Yeah. Mysterio. Um, you know, <laughs> we were booked afterwards. Oh, <laughs> oh, Ray. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay, yeah, this would start his rivalry of CM Punk uh, in 2012, yeah. which was a solid rivalry. Uh, well, you know, Punk will always is always, you know, good with working with other people, and I feel like the whole best in the world versus best in the world shtick was, was quite fun, actually. Um, some... I think they're two, they're two people who definitely get each other. Absolutely. Um, especially with the match at Mania, and then they had that street fight. Um, I believe that was Extreme Rules. It, no, it would have been Extreme Rules because that's the event up straight after Mania, isn't it? Uh, it was at the time, yes. So yeah, kind of like hitting the ground running, really, with Punk, and then pretty much after that, I, I dare say it, it's like pretty much after that he was straight back in the same position he was when he left the like when he left when Alton punted him in the head. And of course, this again, he would leave pretty much soon after just to work on more kind of um, fuzzy stuff. But also he was setting up a sitcom uh, called I'm Chris Jericho, but I'm Chris Jericho, which, by the way, if you've not seen on uh, on YouTube is it's certainly something Colin Mockrie from Whose Line Is It Anyway is in that is in that show. What? That's a weird choice. <laughs> it's a weird sitcom, but somehow... Jericho makes some it reason, all, For some reason, all I'm just picturing is just Seinfeld, but it's just got Chris Jericho in it. That, no, seriously, that's pretty much it. <laughs> and so, man, wrapping up on his WWE stuff, he returns in 2013 at the Royal Rumble. Uh, entrant number two with number one. He had a rivalry there with Dolph Ziggler. Again, great reception he got on that one. Um... And, uh, oh, man, after this, we get some really good work from Jericho. We get, oh, man, we get the list of Jericho. <laughs> I really want to talk oh, about goodness. the list of Jericho for a little bit. Of course, we get a one... star gimmick. I mean, a genius, genius gimmick by both Jericho and Jimmy Jacobs, who came up, who both came up with this. But again, I think it's proof and testament to how much. Jericho has his finger on the pulse when it comes to changing up his gimmick. Because, of course, we had the Rocker Jericho, we had Y2J, 
We had the very serious Anton Chigurh Jericho. And now we've got the list Jericho. And, and stupid idiot Jericho. I cannot believe this man got a list and got the word it over. <laughs> I mean, this was also, I feel like this was a really good rivalry he had with Dean Ambrose. Because those, those two had some yeah. really good segments. <laughs> really good segments. Oh, um, oh God, they had, the, they had the bloody plotted plant. What, oh, what was, what was it called? Mitch, Mitch, Mitch the plant. Which apparently yeah. they stole from an office in an arena, one taping of Raw. <laughs> so they just kept it with them. I love that so much. Yeah, they had the... God, was it Ambrose's Asylum match? Yes. Oh, which God, was actually that. just a Monsters Ball match from TNA that they stole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Basically, cool. it's a cage match, but with weapons. Which also ECW did, like, in the original ECW. <laughs> oh, they did it with the Elimination Chamber, though, didn't they? Oh, yep. no, the Extreme Elimination Chamber, don't remind yep. me. <laughs> they, they put Big Show in a pod with a table. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, talking of cages, we go on to the the, the, the amazing uh, team and Perry had with Kevin Owens at this time. Do you remember the shark-proof cage that Jericho was hung from during the, uh, I think it was yep. Owens versus Roman Reigns? I do not remember that at all. That was to sell um, a toy. That was to sell a toy. I think you made that up. I did not make that up. Wow. See, no, because now when you say I think you made that up, I now have a more pressing thing to say. What is it with wrestling and shark cages? Because <laughs> yeah, this has definitely Jer happened more than once. Jericho did this, and then they did it for uh, an NXT with Paul Ellering. Yes, the they also, for the fun fact, back in the nineties, did this for Jerry Lawler uh, when he yeah. when it with Isaac Yankum versus Bret Hart, and I think Jerry started nose uh, having a nosebleed when this cage was uh, was lifted up. Shark cages, but again, as I said, this was actually to sell a toy line. I, you know. Chris Jericho in a Shark King extreme action. I feel like that's been WWE's creed over the past few years. Uh, when it comes to anything like match gimmicks, title belts, t-shirts, or kind of anything that's visual, Can you need to make it to sell toys. We'll have to get onto some of our friends in the figure community <laughs> and ask them. Oh man, but this of course, this this Oh, oh, the friendship and partnership between him and Owens all culminated in the in the celebration of friendship, where of course the the great moment of where Jericho has a uh, Owens I should say gives Jericho a present and it's the list of KO and he and he slowly lifts it up and he goes oh there's just one name on it that's just my name and then Owens tacks him and then as a throwback does the exact same segment that uh, Jericho did with Shawn Michaels in the highlight reel by slamming, slamming him against the Geratron. Um, and this was supposed to be the main event of WrestleMania. That year's WrestleMania was supposed to be Kevin Owens versus Chris Jericho for the Universal but. Championship. <laughs> but <laughs> Goldberg rears his ugly head around again. <laughs> 
Because of course he does. And Brock Lesnar's back. And so Goldberg's back. And has to squash Kevin Owens for the title. And so we get our main event of Goldberg versus Lesnar. And Owens versus Jericho is moved down to the second match on the card. So according I'm to just Jer- trying to think from this same time. Do you remember Y2AJ? Yes, I remember oh, Y2AJ. Oh god, yeah, that was a thing. That didn't last anywhere near as long as I thought it should have. <laughs> Apparently, they, they was only supposed to last three weeks. There wasn't supposed to be a t-shirt line, but Jericho demanded to be a t-shirt because he wanted to give people the slip. Like, haha, you think we because we had t-shirts, this has last for a long time. Psych! <laughs> I still, wow. I still think it was weird when he stuffed the shirt in AJ's mouth, but I digress. Um... <laughs> But uh, no, this with the, I mean, this, the whole thing of Goldberg being the Universal Champion and then their match being, uh, the Jericho Owens match being brought down to the second match was kind of his, I think it was the straw that broke the camel's back for Jericho. It was his sign. It yeah. was definitely a sign that he said, oh, you know what? Nah, I'm, I'm, I'm done with this. I really, I don't think there's any way of me ever coming back from this. And so, as he was a free agent, believe it or not, he was allowed. <laughs> I wasn't under contract with WWE at the time, but he was allowed to go to New Japan Pro Wrestling, which leads us on to the final part, which is present-day <clears throat> Jericho. Man, November 2017, Jericho appears on the Titantron at New Japan to challenge Kenny Omega to a match at Wrestle Kingdom 12. I remember this vividly I and how excited... Yeah, and how shocking it was because it was like at this time we were still I was still under the assumption that Jericho was contracted to WWE. Yeah. Mm. So, like, did you, by any chance, any or any of you guys see this kind of like on the YouTube channel, on the New Japan's YouTube channel, or like on the day it happened? No, I I, 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 only, I saw the announcement and I was like, well, that doesn't seem right. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just abject confusion. <laughs> nah, just oh, man. The, 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 great setup and a great match, actually, because I know a lot of people uh, on the lead up to Wrestle Kingdom twelve thought that Jericho probably had lost, had missed a step or two, but um, no, man, he really. He really showed at Wrestle Kingdom that he could still go. No, if he wanted to, he could still go. And even though that Kenny Omega was in a weird Overwatch, weird tribal headrest with the Terminator gun, and Jericho, you know, that was the first instance of using Judas as well, believe it or not, was that was Wrestle yeah. Kingdom 12. No, those two put on a, a fantastic match. Um, and then the next day at New Year's Dash, he ends up setting up a rivalry against Tetsuya Naito. He would make one final appearance, actually, uh, for WWE at the 25th anniversary show, wearing his Alpha Club shirt in a segment with Elias, putting him on the list of Jericho. And then I guess the final match he had would have been at the Greatest Royal Rumble. Yeah. No, it would have been. Yeah. Wow. And that was the final appearance of of Chris Jericho in WWE. And thus, I guess, I guess the final topic I want to I, I talk to you guys is kind of like, how do you feel of modern day Chris Jericho and his run in AEW? You know, uh, as the champion and the inner circle, and uh, 
kind of how that stacks up against his long career that I've <laughs> that I've listed. So to just have. just quickly, I want to mention his rivalry over the IC, the IWGP IC belt, and I only want to mention it just because I can mention a him in the pain maker makeup. Yeah. Uh, and be the time where he did the DDT in that title match and just shouted Takahashi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just DDT someone <laughs> on the table. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like modern day Chris Jericho, what are your kind of thoughts and feelings on him? Uh, we'll start, oh, we'll, again, we'll start with Alex. What are your thoughts and feelings on Jericho today and what he's been doing these past couple of years? Um... Know a lot. I think there's a lot of people in the wrestling world that don't think he should have been the first AEW champion, and that they should have done it to build a new character like Adam Page. Mm. Uh, I think it was the right call to have Jericho as the first title mm. holder. I mean, just look at what came from it. You got Le Champion, the Inner Circle, him just being that old guy with the group of young talent, uh, being able to lead them through it. Is, is great. He's still having some great matches, although his work rate's clearly dropped off, but what do you expect? I mean, he's not going to wrestle like he did in the early 2000s. Absolutely. Um, but if there's one th there's one thing that I could say about him is I thought he would have been a better commentator than what he was just because of how good his promos are. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was so disappointed when I first heard him on AEW being a commentator, and I was thinking... It just doesn't work. Like it's like you're cutting a two-hour-long promo, and I don't want to hear that. <laughs> oh gosh, no! I'm glad I'm not the only one who thinks that. <laughs> um, I'm reading. Kind of thoughts on modern day Jericho. Thoughts on Monday Jericho. Thoughts on Monday. It's like i want to say a mixed bag but a mixed bag sounds more negative than i want to say mm. it has its ups and downs yeah i think just because like even chris jericho in his ridiculously long career is not the same man he once was <laughs> absolutely however he is still promotion promo-wise and character-wise, still one of the greatest to ever do it. So it all balances it out. You know what I mean? It's all... It, but it is... It's interesting, I would say. It's always interesting to see where he's going. Mm. For sure. And Yeah, and it's just, it, it's just such a different environment in that company than it is at WWE and, and New Japan and everything else that he's done. That it's 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 hard to kind of like compare it mm. so i i do find myself watching him kind of kind of like just trying to figure out what the deal is to be quite honest most of the time indeed indeed you know, it, it's kind of it's a it's an odd one <laughs> and i don't and i and like i think he he has to retire frankly for me to actually get a full a full picture of what i think about it <laughs> No, I get you on that one. I get you on that one. Uh, Dan? Yeah, I mean, I've been impressed with his work um, and everything that he's put in. I kind of echo what Alex said, where I think he was the right choice for the first champion because 
it's kind of that it's kind of always that issue of like when you have your first champion you need it to kind of keep it stable yeah you need someone who's really going to hold stuff down you know you don't want to have anything too high risk mm-hmm. so i think he was a fantastic choice for it and was probably the kind of person that they they should have in it really rather than you know saying having cody or kenny as the champion straight off mm. um and like i said i've always been amazed by how he's been able to reinvent himself so consistently i think yeah. honestly now a lot of it comes to the question of just where next yeah because it's kind of like well what what, what does he do next at this point where is there for him to go? Mm. Mm. Um, to which my answer would probably just be, I think he'd just be fantastic for them in, like, just just to be there for the next generation of people to come up. Yeah. You yeah. know, the, the sage mentor, if you will. <laughs> the, uh, the Terry Funk of AEW. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I feel like in that, in that regard, I feel he's filled his job uh he's done his job incredibly well being the 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 elder statesman if you were yeah, the, the, yeah. the grand master of wrestling uh and teaching these uh, the young guys a thing or two as well about how to do promos how to do the in-ring work um he's done that tremendously well now as i know as as you know it's been widely discussed you know jericho you know, he's 50 years old, man. He's been going 30 years. He's definitely not going to be mm. as, as svelte as he once was back in the day. And uh, many people, myself included, still think that, you know, maybe the Judas effect probably isn't the greatest finisher of all time that he's had. But, you know, no, like he's, he is. He should he, bring back the breakdown. <laughs> he should. Oh, God. <laughs> but no, he's done his job tremendously well. Like. Uh, I'll still stand by what I said, you know, in this rivalry with Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy at times did carry Jericho through that rivalry. Uh, but Jericho did what he did and did his job perfectly. It was that putting over Orange Cassidy. Um, especially putting over a Mimosa match. I've never seen what a, like, a stipulation to a match is like <laughs> being, being dunked in a pool of Mimosa. Just, there you go beautiful uh, but no jericho if if jericho were to end today like if he were to go like pack up and retire today i feel like he's probably had one of the best runs of a person bowing out of wrestling ever mm. i maybe you know who else could you say in that regard the rock undertaker maybe i mean when we're there and we're like talking about the list of you know, truly great people in wrestling as like both in ring and promo. He's got to be in the conversation. Absolutely. It's, yeah. I I've, it's, they, with every everything I I pro I made this up or someone made it up and I've just taken it. But he is the David Bowie of wrestling. <laughs> it, it's just straight up. Yeah, well, I think that's kind of appropriate though because each kind of iteration has been defined by a different character. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. He's the epitome of being able to reinvent yourself and not get stale. Him and uh, Matt Hardy at the yes. moment, being able to reinvent the, their gimmicks and not just become a stale version of what they were in 2000. Like, it, 
gets people still interested in the character. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's safe to assume that I think Chris, his legacy will always be that he will always be in the discussion of one of the greatest of all time. Yeah. And rightly so. And what a way to end the episode. Thoughts yeah. and feelings about about all of that, gentlemen. <laughs> Chris Jericho has been around for ages. <laughs> <laughs> He's old. Uh, Chris yeah. Jericho is older than me. That is what I've learned. He is older than the Rolling Stones. No. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty then. Um, big thank you to Alex from Armchair Wrestling. Thank you so much for joining in on this one, buddy. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Oh, yeah. I, I have teased. For... I have teased you as is my want to do for every single collaborator. <laughs> but no, it's been an absolute delight having you. you you're great, dude. Cheers, guys. Hey, yeah, it's been incredible fun. And I can't wait to uh, return the favor and have you guys on our, uh, our show. Oh, hey. yeah. We're looking forward to it. I'll oh, stop yeah. it, you. <laughs> Alrighty, for the next episode oh man we've got another big profile episode coming in collaboration month dan we're talking about mick foley aren't we and who have we got on on next on the next episode we are talking mick foley and we will have dave joining us from monday night chores for it oh i am so so hyped for that one but until the next one i have been sam this has been dan reardon and alex You've been listening to the Sweet Chin Web podcast. We'll see you on the next one. Bye. Armbar. Um, <laughs>